0: take them and turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. I told John, Medcraft on the computer today. I said, "You're going to have an easy day today uh, because I didn't get all the computer notes and everything put. I've got, I've got it written down on a piece of paper. So that's how we're going to do it today. And the reason for that is is that the internet in Dover, Tennessee is awful. And you can't, your computers don't work very well half the time. You're, you're, you know, you just can't do in Dover, Tennessee what you can do in Louisville, Kentucky. I think Justin was having fits because he couldn't get online, you know. I saw him shaking a few times, and I I think maybe that's, that that had something to do with it. I don't know. But at any rate, I, I wrote down just a few little points and handed them off to him, and so. He'll, has, he'll have an easy day today. He can put one up and then go get a chocolate chip cookie and a cup of coffee and come in for, for point two and we'll, and we'll be fine today. But you know, I can remember starting out in ministry and we didn't have all this stuff to work with. We just kind of had to fly by the seat of our britches every week and we, somehow the Lord helped us to do that. And so today, Uh, we're doing that. So just just pay attention and we'll we'll, uh, receive a good word from the Lord today. So Exodus chapter 25 then, uh, beginning at verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram's skins, goat skins, acacia wood, excuse me, Oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. Onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell in their midst. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are able to gather in your presence today to experience the power of God in our lives and the Spirit of the Lord active among us. I pray that you'll help me today to preach effectively and to say those things that you've placed upon my heart and believe that your word will go forth and accomplish everything that you have sent it forth to do. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, as you know, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea that God is the God of the movement. He is also the God of the moment. God is doing things in this moment that will expand the movement of the kingdom of God. He does that in our lives. God is doing things in your life right now in this moment that will ultimately allow you to move from where you are to where he intends for you to be in terms of maturity in your faith. So God does things in the moment that is meant to expand the movement of our life. Now in chapter 25, we see a different segment of what's going on. Up to this point, we've been talking about the miracles that God has done and and how that Moses was able to deliver the people out of Egyptian bondage. And then they went to the Red Sea. And we talked about the story about how that it seemed like that they were trapped there before the Red Sea. And yet God in that moment did something that was miraculous that allowed them to move out of captivity into freedom. And he parted the Red Sea. They were able to walk through on dry ground. And they got to the other side. And then when, when Pharaoh and his army entered into the sea... Uh, to try to attempt to catch up to them and capture them, God closed the sea up on them, and all of his horses and riders were drowned there in the sea. We talked about how that God's manifest presence was, was there in the form of a cloud at, at, in, in the daytime and a fire at night so that at any given time all they had to do was look at the cloud or look at the fire and they knew that god was in their midst and that god had not left them alone in this time in their life and so we've talked about a lot of different things and today we're going to talk about how that god now speaks to moses and he says i want a place where i can dwell among the people and you may be thinking "Well," Doesn't God dwell among us all the time He does now? Yes, because He has sent the Holy Spirit among us to dwell within us. But in those days, God would manifest His presence to His people in visible ways, like the cloud and like the fire. And they had to physically look to see where the manifestation of God was. Was He moving? Was He stationary? Was he in front? Was he in in, in the back? Where was he? They had to physically always be aware of where God's presence was. Today, thank God, we can know that God is with us all the time. Because his presence, his spirit lives within us. So we're in a transitionary time here where God now says to Moses, he said, I want a place where I can set up shop. I want a place where I can dwell among my people and I want you to build this tabernacle so that I can dwell there. Now this tabernacle that they're getting ready to build was temporary in nature. Because everything about Israel at that point was moving. They were, they were not settled in the promised land yet. That wouldn't come until a few years later when Joshua took over and they crossed across the river and into the promised land. So they were still transient. They were still moving. Things were still happening on a regular basis. And so what God wanted to do was establish a place that would be a type and a shadow of the church that would ultimately be formed in the New Testament in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among his people. So he's beginning to do things in the now that is also making it possible for the next thing to take place. And I want you to know today that God is still doing that today. Even though we are still blessed with his manifest presence within us, God is still doing things for you now that will ultimately get you somewhere else where he can bless you on another level. So let's look at what God says today in chapter 25. Now when we start thinking about all that God is doing here, and if, you, if you've read the previous chapters up to chapter 25, God is laying down and establishing the law. He had just given the Ten Commandments. Uh, He had been establishing law beyond the Ten Commandments. You shall do this, you shall do that. You shall not do this, you shall not do that. And God is literally establishing the ground rules for Israel to live by. And then he comes to chapter 25, and he begins to tell them what he wants in terms of the tabernacle. And so this week as I'm studying this and thinking about this, it just comes to my mind, what does God want? Have you ever had that thought in your mind I mean, God's speaking to you. He speaks to you by his spirit. He's speaking to you by uh, the word of God. He's speaking to you through a family member or a friend. And and God is speaking to you on a regular basis. And there are times where you just kind of have to pause, hit the pause button and say, God, what is it that you want? I, I need for you to tell me what it is that you want me to do. What are your expectations for me? And so I approached this passage of scripture this week with that question in mind. God, what is it that you want? Because he had some very specific things that he asked for. And the first thing that I would like to suggest to you is that in chapter 25, when God tells Moses to speak to the people, he says, I want you to speak to them so that they can take me a contribution and from every man who, whose heart moves him. So the first thing I'd like to suggest to you today is that God is looking for hearts of desire. Now, this is very interesting to me because in the Old Testament and even today, God wants us to be givers. God wants us to be tithers. He wants us to be givers. In fact, if you go to chapter 23, verse 18, or excuse me, verse 19, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your ground and bring it into the house of the Lord your God. This is not, it is not debatable. This, God is telling them, bring this to the house of the Lord. We have a use for this. We're going to put it to good use in the house of the lord and so bring the best of your first fruits so that it can be used to expand what i'm attempting to do it was not optional he told them to do it but in this case he says i want you to ask them to bring me an offering but i only want it to come from those whose hearts are moved to contribute to this cause so what he's looking for here is not so much an offering as he is. He's looking for people who have hearts of desire to do what God has asked them to do. He's looking for a heart of desire. And we already know that God could do anything he wanted to do. He can call into existence any kind of resource that he needs. He doesn't need people to give. He doesn't need what we have. But what he needs and what he wants is for people to say, I'm completely open to being obedient to the things that you are asking me to do. So he's looking for a heart of desire. I learned many years ago in church work that what sets the church apart from other organizations is that everything that takes place in the house of God does so because of volunteers. Now, it may be true that we have some people on staff and that kind of thing, but the reality is that it requires people to say, I am willing to be a part of what God is doing we are dealing with volunteers and so you can't say to a volunteer you either do this 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 and this or else you're out of here we're not going to allow you to attend to attend our church if you don't do this this and this we're dealing with volunteers we're dealing with people who say "Uh, i am willing to give of the talent and the ability that i have in order to be a part of what god is doing But you must be willing to do what God is asking you to do. He is looking for hearts of desire. He is looking for people who will say, man, if God is doing that, I want to be a part of that. If if that's what God is up to, then you can count me in. I want to be a part of God's team. So he's looking for hearts of desire. He says, I want you to go to these people and I want you to ask them specifically for some particular things, but I only want it from people whose heart's desire is to be a part of what I'm doing. Now, there may be some of you here today who'd say, well, I don't really want to be a part of what God's doing if it means that I have to give of myself. If, if I have to be a part of something, I, I don't really want to do that. I really just came, you know, for the show. I really just came, you know, for all the feel-good stuff. I don't, I don't really want all of that. But what God is wanting to do in his development of his people and the expansion of his church is he's wanting to do what he wants to do through you. The church will only be as strong and as effective as the people who make up the church. The church is effective because of you. The church is effective because of the things that you contribute. Now, it's not all about money. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But God has given you the ability to do certain things with your life that will enhance his ministry in in the world that we live. And so every day that we live, we must be willing to get up and say, God, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, saddle up your horses. wherever you take me today, I am going to be used by the Spirit of God because I want to please you. I want my life to bring glory to you. Yesterday at my father-in-law's funeral, uh, several weeks ago, I was reading the scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 2. And I read about a man who had been called upon to to be a part of the building of the temple. Not the tabernacle, but the temple, which will come later down the road. His name was Uram Abi. Now, how would you like to have a name like that? I dare you to say that three times in a row. Uram Abi. He was known for his skillful craftsmanship. And when he came to the king, the king said, all I want you to do is I want you to build the pillars of the temple. I want you to build two pillars, and I want you to craft them them in such a way that when people enter into the temple, that they will be amazed at the craftsmanship of God. And so this man said, I'm willing to do that. He worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he built these pillars. They were 60 feet high. And at the very top of these pillars, he crafted with his hands out of brass 200 pomegranates that were out of sight from anybody. Now, how many of you know that if we had a pillar in this building that was 60 feet high, most of you would not be able to see to the top of that pillar. But he built those pillars and he crowned them with the glory of these 200 pomegranates. Now, why would you do that? I know people who would say, well, you know, it is 60 feet in the air. Nobody's ever going to see this. So I'm not going to use brass. I'm not going to use the best brass. I, you know, I can get by. I, I, don't have to, I, don't, I don't have to craft the best pomegranate that I've ever. In fact, I could just use some, chew, some used chewing gum from underneath the table and just put it up there and it'll look like a pomegranate and nobody will know. Except that he would have known that he did not give his best to the king and to God. And God would have known that he did not use the gift that God had gifted him with to bring glory to his name. So what I'm saying to you is today, you may not be the preacher, you may never teach a Sunday school class, you may never sing in the praise team, you may never be a greeter, you may never be on the media team, you may not have all of those different kinds of giftings, but I promise you this, God has given you a gift and has enabled you to be effective in building and expanding the kingdom of God. All he's looking for from you is that your heart be willing to do what he has called you to do. And so the first thing that God was looking for was hearts of desire. You know, I get a little sad sometimes with people that just seemingly don't have any desire to interact with the church. I, I, I deal with people all the time that they'll tell me, well, I, you know, I love God, but I don't love the church. You know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love people who love Jesus other than me. You know, I don't, I don't love that. I don't feel like I need church in order to serve the Lord. But the problem with that argument is that God loved the church so much that he gave his son to die for the church. He is preparing the church to be his bride so that ter- for eternity the church will be the representation of the thing that God loved so much. And so my question to people like that is simply this. I don't understand how you can hate something that God loves so much. I don't understand how you can say that the, the very thing that God Put together and he said, I will build my church and the gates shall not prevail against it. It's his church. He has built it. You're part of it because of his work in your life. I don't understand how people can look at the church and people within the church and say, I have no need for the church. I have no need for the people of God. I have no need for that. I don't like it. I can serve Jesus without it when we know good and well that the church is the thing that God loves so very much. So what I'm saying to you today is, is that this church that we're a part of is part of the greater church around the world that God has created and established. And we should not hate the church and we should not look down our nose at other people who are imperfect and part of the church because we're imperfect as well. But thank God, even in our human imperfection, we serve a God who is perfect in every way, and he is bringing us to a place of perfection as well. So he's looking for people with hearts of desire. Secondly, it dawns on me that God is looking for people of diversity. He doesn't want us to all look the same. We don't all bring the same thing to the table. Look at look at this list in chapter twenty five. Said I want you to tell them if their heart moves them to do so, I want you to have them to bring gold and silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goats' hair, tanned rams' skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense onyx stones stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate now all of these different things were items that different people were able to bring you see not everybody had access to all of these things but based on who they were and the life that they lived and their ability they all had access To different things now some of you are singers and so you bring your gift of music to the platform and you lead us in worship but how many of you know that we have people in the church that they can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket and so they're probably not going to be a part of the choir they're probably not ever going to be a soloist they're probably not because that's not their gift but they might be a good teacher Or they might love children and be able to minister to children. You see, what God is saying is, is that I need a diversity of people to make up my church. I need people who can bring this gift. And I need people who can bring that gift. And I need people who can bring this gift and that gift. And when we combine all of those things, then it creates this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You know, I'm I'm thankful that we have a diverse congregation. When all of our people are able to be here, we have people with different color skin. We have uh, people who are from different nationalities, different nations, different countries. We have people from Eastern Kentucky. We have people from Western Kentucky. We have people from Tennessee. We have people from uh, Antarctica, I don't know. We have people from everywhere we have people from Uganda, we have people from Liberia, we have people who make up the kingdom of God. And who are we to say to them, you're not welcome in our church? If God is building the church, he is building it in such a way that it will ultimately bring glory to him. We we try to Uh, Well, I mean, I don't know that we really necessarily sit around thinking about how can we please everybody because I learned a long time ago you can't please everybody. But we've got people that like different kinds of presentations. We've got some people that like preachers that spit. We've got some preachers that, or some people that like preachers that just stand very calmly behind the pulpit and, 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 and just deliver the message. We've got people that, uh, that would rather listen online, although I, I think you miss a lot by not coming to the house of the Lord. I am thankful that we can provide that for those who are sick and un, unable to attend. But there's nothing like the live house of God. Amen? But we all have some people like Bill Gaither. They love to hear Bill Gaither sing. Although I'm not sure that he's still able to sing. How old is he? Uh, Like 185, something like that? I mean, he's been around a long time. Some people like Bill Gaither. Some people like Jason Crabb. We got guys like Greg Hilbert. He loves bluegrass music. Willie Nelson, you know, some of those. He loves it. Probably if we got up next week with a bunch of banjos and started picking, old Greg would run the tops of the chairs, I'm pretty sure. He's just excited just thinking about it. We've got all kinds of people with diversity of gifts, diversity of blessings, able to bring to the body the things that maybe someone else cannot bring. And so what God is saying is, I want people who have a heart to contribute to my work. I want them to bring those things to me if they want to. Now, let me explain that to you for a moment. There are some things that God just commands across the board. He doesn't really care if you like it or not. It's a commandment of the Lord across the board for all of us. But there are other things that God kind of allows us to bring on our own and be a part of what he is doing. He has given us this thing called a free Will. So if you're going to worship God, the only way you can do that is if you choose to. God is not going to slap you around until finally he beats you into submission and you find yourself laying on the floor in the altar area saying, please God, don't hit me again. If you won't hit me again, I promise you, I will worship you. Oh Jesus, I love you so much. Hit me again, hit me again, hit me baby one more time. I don't know god always invites us to to bring our will under subjection to the things of god that is what obedience is now god did not craft you into something that has no mind or no ability whatsoever but you are just crafted Uh oh we lost the headphones You're just crafted in such a way that you have no choice whatsoever. Now this is, I don't know whose, is this Jovi's or Harper's? I I thought it was Jovi's because the hair's in braids and kind of in order and all that. This is Harper's. (laughs) You'd have to know Harper to understand that. (laughs) These dolls have absolutely no choice in what they do every day of their lives. They go where they're placed. Their hair looks like it looks based on the owners and how they fix it up. They have absolutely no choice whatsoever. You know the reason for that? It's because they were not created with a free will. In fact, they don't even have a mind. I know some of you are thinking, I know some people who don't have a mind. Well, you just keep that to yourself today, if you will. These dolls literally have no choice. Now, both of them have one hand raised, praising the Lord, because they were in here during praise and worship. Now, if it were me, I'd put both hands up. But who am I? But you see, I am the one who controls, or the owner is the one, who controls these soulless dolls that have no free will whatsoever. And I know people that they think that the only way that they can worship God is if God makes them do something. Well, I'll sing if God makes me sing. I'll lift my hands if God makes me lift my hands. I'll fall in the floor if God makes me fall in the floor. I will do this, that, or the other. I'll pay my tithe if God makes me do it. He makes me write that check and put it in the box I didn't want to do this, but God is making me. I have no choice whatsoever. God, please don't make me sign my name. God doesn't work that way. God gives us the opportunity to use our free will to be a part of what he is doing in this earth. So for those of you who are waiting for God to smack you in the face and tell you what to do and how to do it, let me tell you something, God is not going to do that to you. What he will do is he will say, man, it would be such a blessing for you if you would forgive that person. I'm not going to make you forgive them. I I won't require it. I will hold you responsible for not doing it, but I'm not going to make you do it. You do it on your terms and in your timeline, and you do it. And then God expects us to give forgiveness to that individual. But he will not make you do it. So we have, to, we have to bring these things into the kingdom of God as he asks us to do so. But he said, I only want those with willing hearts to do these things and to bring these things. So he wants a people of diversity. Look around you just real quickly. Aren't you glad that we have people of all kinds? We have people with blonde hair, brown hair, white hair, no hair. (laughs) You brought it up, I didn't bring it up. If you hadn't brought it up, I was gonna try to avoid that one. You know, we, we are who we are, and God has created us in such a way. You say, well, what does that have to do with all this? Well, the people of Israel, would have had access to things that other people did not have. For instance, did you know that the dye for some of these colorful um, fabrics that God was asking for, they came out of some of the, the sea animals that they were close to the water, and so there were a group of people that they could go to the sea, and they could get these sea animals, and then extract all of the uh, whatever it is the dye that was in their bodies, and create this dye. There were others that they knew how to create fabric. They were able to weave these things together and they would take it all and bring it together did you know that the egyptians were responsible for teaching the israelites how to weave and how to make fabric and things of that nature so they had the knowledge that they gained from when they were in captivity but when they were in freedom now they were able to take the knowledge of creating all of that for the glory of god and so all of these things that God was asking from them were strategic things that he wanted them to bring to the kingdom of God. So he wanted hearts of desire, and he wanted people of diversity. And then thirdly and finally today, he primarily wanted a place to dwell among his people. He wanted to be close to them. Come help me stop if you will. Now he is already there. He was there in the cloud, right? Right? The cloud hadn't lifted yet. He was already there in the fire. There were, he was not gone from there. But what God wanted was a focal point that the encampment of Israel could be built around so that from any angle, from any place, they would be able to see this tabernacle and know that we are not alone, but God is in our midst. And so he told them, I want you to build this tabernacle. Now, this tabernacle that was going to be built was a temporary edifice. Now, the temple that would come later on under Solomon's uh, leadership was more of a permanent structure. But God was still moving them. God was still working in the now so that he could move them to the next. So he did not need a permanent tabernacle that would rest in one place. Instead, he needed something that could easily be packed up and moved to another location. So he had them to build this tabernacle made out of all this linen, out of all these fabrics, out of all of these items, but it could be moved very quickly if God knew that they needed to move. He wanted them to be able to see the tabernacle. He wanted them to be able to go to the tabernacle and bring their sacrifices for their sin into the presence of God. He wanted them to go together and worship together. He wanted them to spend time together in His presence. And the Bible tells us that once this tabernacle was complete, The cloud moved. But it didn't move in such a way to say to them, we're going to change locations. It just simply moved from where it was outside of the camp into the center of the camp where the tabernacle was. And now this tabernacle of tent was filled with the cloud and the glory of the Lord. And then when nighttime came, it would transition from a cloud into a pillar of fire. So that any time that they looked at the tabernacle, they would know that God is among us. That God is here. That God wants to dwell among us. Can I tell you that the thing that God wants so much from each of us is just a time and a place where He can dwell together with us. You know, I want to close with this thought. And when I thought about this this week, I was thinking about me. I wasn't so much thinking about you. But I, I have discovered that there are times in my life when my passion for the kingdom is not as warm as it has been and could be. You know, sometimes circumstances steal our joy and steal our our love for the kingdom of god sometimes things happen that cause us to get so focused on the stuff that it takes our focus away from god and what god is doing in us and there have been times that god just has to break me open so that his presence in me can be restored and I would dare say today that everyone in this building can relate to what I'm saying because you can remember a time in your life when your worship was fresh and your worship was warm it was was beautiful you couldn't wait to get to the house of the lord you couldn't wait to get to your prayer time you couldn't wait to open your bible and hear the word of the lord you couldn't wait to get into your devotional book and begin to read and contemplate what god was saying to you through writers you couldn't wait something happened in that process life began to get hard the relationship in your home began to wane and get difficult. Your children grew up and they started to be a pain in the neck for you. Instead of a joy to see every day. Say, oh God, how am I going to deal with these kids? What am I going to do? Or your job was playing out. It's so easy if we're not careful to allow the circumstances of life to steal our passion and For the kingdom of God, almost 10 years ago, we came into a situation and we just trusted God and said, God, if you don't, there's no way. And God did. And I'm telling you, miracle after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, after miracle took place. And the only thing we could do was stand back and say, God, I don't know how you did that, but that was really pretty cool. I'm not sure if that could have been done any other way than by your hand. And and you could feel that energy when we came to worship. You could could feel that energy when we could remember all that God had done and what God was doing. But you know, if we're not careful, all that God did back in that time will get so so much further away from us that we can forget what he did. We can forget the miracles. And what we have to do is we have to shake ourselves and we have to say, God, I know that we can't relive those moments. You did then in the now what needed to be done to get us to the next. But now that we're in the next, Lord, we need a new now So that we can get to the next next that you have for us. And I think some of us need to stir that in us. I I think that some of us just need to say, you know, God, I love you so much. You've been so good to me. I remember your healing touch upon my life. I remember what the doctor said and how that when the report came back there was no sign of what the can, what the doctor was looking for and I'm so thankful for what you did but God I still need you working in my life and I still need to keep my mind and my heart focused upon you that's really what God was doing here he said look I'm not going to force you to bring this gift I just want willing hearts That love me so much that they will bring this gift and be a part of what I'm doing. I want people who want to worship me. I don't want to have to stand up here on Sunday mornings and say, let's all stand and please worship with us today. We shouldn't have to say that we ought to come in so ready to worship that when the first note is played we just jump up out of our chairs and start worshiping the lord and praising him and glorifying him we don't need a spiritual cheerleader to tell us how to worship what we need is a fresh touch of fire and the Holy spirit within us that we cannot contain when it comes worship time man you don't have to ask me to come up front You don't have to ask me to give in the offering. You don't have to ask me to pay my tithe. You don't have to ask me to forgive that knucklehead down on the other end of the roll for me. You don't have have to ask me to do those things because I am willing to do it because of all that God has done for me. I'm more than willing to worship Him. I'm willing to bring what I have. I'm willing to bring the diversity to the church that God needs. I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing for God to dwell in me so that when we get together, there will be more of the presence of God. Now, I want to close with this thought. Have you ever wondered that if every chair in this sanctuary were filled, would there be more of God in the house than there is today? I mean, we've got a lot of empties today for a lot of reasons. we got sickness, we got funerals, we got all that kind of stuff. I'm not mad about it. I'm just pointing out the obvious. We've got some empties today. But have you ever thought about if every seat in this house was full, would there be more of God in the house? In one sense, no. Because we have access to all of God that we can handle. But in another sense, yes. Because if I bring in the God that is in me, and Greg, you bring in the God that is in you, and Greg, hey, there's two Gregs. Greg, 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 there. One likes bluegrass, the other one probably doesn't. I don't know. You bring in the God that is in you. Paul, you bring in the God that is in you. Shannon, you bring in the God that is in you. What's your name? I'm. Carolyn, you bring in the God that is in you. And we all bring in the God that is in us. Man, you talk about electricity. You talk about power. You talk about diversity. You talk about bringing what God has enabled you to bring. I'm telling you, it will change the atmosphere of the house of God if we all bring in what God is in us change the atmosphere that's what I'm praying for as we move forward in this year God fill this house up fill it up with people who love you fill it up with people who are gifted by you. Fill it up with people who are talented. Fill it up with people who want to be the best that they can be for the kingdom of God. God help us to win souls to the kingdom. I'm passionate about seeing people who are living outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm passionate about seeing them come to Jesus and letting the power of the Lord transform their lives forever. That's what I want. I'm not here to play church games. I'm not here just to have traditional little religious experience on Sunday mornings and go home and eat some fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and take a nap and feel real good about it. I'm here because God is bringing this thing to a close. He has been doing now after now after now after now getting us ready for the next big thing that's going to happen and that is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for the church that is waiting for him. And I want to be ready. How about you? Stand with me if you will this morning.